Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are Night's <laughs> Entertainment. Here on the world, reasons are the wrong way. None of the Robins ever complain. You're going to melt just like a cheap sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always hold on to all this. Hi everyone and welcome to the season finale episode of the DC Nation podcast, dedicated to reviewing all the amazing content DC Comics provides to its fans, most certainly focusing on the TV shows Gotham, The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and DC's Legends of War, which will all be back next year for us to review. Guy Gage with your host, get with me, because the guy who's hoping we're going to get a better Arrow next season, my co-host. Hey everybody, it's Nico, and welcome to Across the Airways DC Nation. On this week's episode, we finish up our spring 2016 TV season as we wrap up our coverage of the DC Nation with the season finales of Gotham, Flash, and Arrow with a special guest. Yes. Okay, before we get into all of that, we've got a news of Nico section, giving us kind of a sneak preview of what's to come and who will be returning. God to God the shows that we cover here. God this podcast. Gotham Season 3 will have a ton of new villains. After the second season finale of Gotham earlier this week, the streets of Gotham are only going to get more dangerous next season as even more Batman villains come to town. While speaking to Comic Book Resources, Gotham executive producer John Stevens called out several of the series' newest adversaries by name. We'll be seeing Mad Hatter in Season 3, said Stevenson. We'll also be seeing the Tweedle Brothers too, if we're going to bring the Hatter in. In line with the Court of Owls, we'll be seeing Talon, and we should be seeing Solomon Grundy. Out of those villains mentioned by Steven, Talon has the biggest potential to be one of the the series New Big Bads. Talon is one of the more recent additions to the Batman mythos, and he's one of the top assassins and enforcers for the Court of Owls, the mysterious group that secretly controls Gotham City. The Court tends to send Talon to do its dirty work, and if the show follows the source material, then there will be more than one Talon as well. Salman Grundy also represents a major physical threat on the show. He's a super strong zombie from DC's comic book universe who is named after an old nursery rhyme. Grundy's appearance on Gotham could easily build on Hugo Strange's experiments from this recent second season. A version of Grundy actually appeared two seasons ago on Arrow, but I'd love to see Grundy's new incarnation be closer to the comic book counterpart. The Mad Hatter is the best known Batman villain listed by Stevens. As his chosen name suggests, the Mad Hatter was inspired by Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and he even appeared in the Batman TV series, which aired in the 1960s, as, as well as in the various animated adaptations. The Mad Hatter frequently uses mind control techniques disguised as oversized playing cards. And finally, the Tweedle Brothers actually predate the Mad Hatter in the comics by a few years. There are also Lewis Carroll-themed villains who often team up with the Mad Hatter or even the Joker on occasion. Originally, the Tweedle brothers had no power except for their fat bodies, which allowed them to bounce like balls. It's a pretty safe assumption that that probably won't be part of their Gotham incarnations. For even more predictions on Season 3, listen to Dan and my discussion later in the episode. Tom Cavanaugh confirmed to return as series regular for Season 3. The Flash universe isn't done with Harrison Wells just yet. In the latest Entertainment Weekly spoiler room piece, the question was asked whether Barry's actions at the end of the season finale would result in Tom Cavanaugh making an exit from the series going forward. According to Entertainment Weekly's source, that is not the case. 
he was quoted as saying, details on the next season are being kept tightly under wraps, but I can tell you that Tom Cavanaugh will be back as a series regular for season three. Consider this. If the show does indeed move forward with Flashpoint, then the reverse Flash never killed Earth-1 Harrison Wells and his wife, meaning we could see the original Wells next season. Maybe, hopefully. The current Harrison Wells and Jesse are seen returning to Earth-2 by the season's end, but if Cavanaugh is indeed still part of the cast, that could mean a few things. Either we will be seeing more Earth-2 content interspersed throughout the season, or the two characters could play an important role in fixing the timeline now that Barry's gone and messed it all up. Either way, more Kavanaugh is a good thing no matter how you slice and dice it. DC is keeping details to a minimum, but it appears that he we might be getting a Flashpoint-centric storyline in Season 3, as Barry presumably screws up the timeline a great deal by saving his mother from Reverse Flash at the end of the finale, something he did not do in a previous episode. By episode's end, we also see Hunter Zolomon carried off and possibly turned into the Black Flash. Again, for even more details on where we think Season 3 will go, listen to Dan, Michael, and I discuss the episode in this week's DC Nation Flash discussion. And that's the news with Nico, DC Headlines for this week. So with the excitement on the horizon for more Tom Cavanaugh, get some villains coming to Gotham. We're going to talk about the Gotham episode that set up all those villains coming to town. Good title, Transfer. Jim, Lucius, and Bruce try to escape Indian Hills, but Hugo and Edward have other plans. Meanwhile, Harvey deals with an imposter when Hugo sends Basil disguised as Jim to keep the GCPD out of Arkham. Guys, with Gotham, did all get this scene where Clayface was disguised as Golden? It made me laugh, because it brought some great, fake comedic dialogue, good interactions. Got three of the main actors on the show. Guys, and Alfred Bullock and Gordon. Or I guess Ben McKenzie played Game of Subversion come Gordon. But it's kind of not like Bullock, in my opinion, to stand down. With an entire police battalion, got just Gordon's word. After clearly knowing people were getting resurrected from the dead, got one out of the Oracle. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, just Bullock have seen right through Clayface's disguise instead of Barbara having to show up. I mean, I just would think Bullock would figure it out right away, because isn't he supposed to know his partner better than anyone? Dika, did you feel this was a stretch set up to give comic relief? Can I give an idea of where Barbara's character's gonna go next season? This is sort of why I don't like these sort of episodes, where the main character or a major character is acting completely out of character, be it replaced by a guy who can mimic him any face and voice, or through colored kryptonite. These are not my favorite episodes, and in fact I'd say are my least favorite storytelling device of all time. That being said, I too thought Clayface Gordon was pretty funny, ridiculous, but at times pretty funny, but mostly because of the responses it elicited from Alfred and Bullock. Bringing Barbara in was obviously just an easy way to have her blow the lid on the Clayface farce, but I'm still not sure where she's headed next season, besides apparently working with Penguin, Butch, and possibly even Tabitha. Depending on what happens to the Penguin. Right. Which, that could be a big kind of character dilemma for this show. Well, we'll get into that in a moment, but I yeah. don't think it's going to be an issue. God, just with the Clayface thing, I'm glad it was a gag for just one episode. Oh, absolutely. And they're not going to keep it going. I think they're like, you know, we don't know what to do with these characters while Bruce is getting Garcom. Gordon's in there. So let's just have some fun and do something fun with it and just throw in Clayface for the fans. God, I'd like to see Clayface come back, but I'd like to see it as an episode where he's the main villain. God, they're chasing him around and he's disguising himself as different people throughout the entire show. Instead of replacing a main character. I would be okay as long as he's not disguising himself right. as major characters, like trying to be Bullock or trying to be Gordon again or trying to be, you know, someone else. It, as, as long as it's randoms, I'm okay with it. Right, as long as it's like Kip just using his ability to get away from the cops. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, not that being any characters. Going into that and going into the psyche of him being an actor, you know, that became this, this entity, this Super Bowl. Yep. 
Now, I liked that we got to see some of Bruce's skills that he uses time and time again to defeat the Riddler with correctly answering his first question. But I think it would have been better if Bruce escaped his death trap entirely on his own, you know, accord, instead of miraculously being saved. Because I just think the character has gone past the point where he could just settle for getting lucky breaks in the face of danger. Because it really could have been curtains for him and Lucius right there, strange. Didn't have kind of another dilemma that he had to deal with. So, Nico, do you think there needs to be scenes where, especially next season, where Bruce is capable? Of being able to save himself. You know, did we need to see him get to that point? Or at least work towards that point where he can save himself? Could get himself out of danger? Because I feel like he's he's to the point where it's like he needs to know he can be that right now and take care of himself. Yes, but only if they give us the training scenes where he learns to think like MacGyver and knows okay. enough about survival, fighting, detective work, computers, etc., to be able to get out of situations like this. To just magically give him these abilities does just as much, if not more, harm to the character than allowing him to escape by pure dumb luck. So without the training, or at minimum mentioning that he is training with Alfred and Lucius in different subjects, then no, he won't be able to save himself. Because your average teenage boy, even exceptional teenage boy like Bruce is, cannot save himself if he's never been taught or learned the skills necessary. That was the whole point of Bruce disappearing for seven years of training in his late teens and early 20s in the comics, to become skilled enough to be the Batman. So we need to see that sort of happen, and it can't just be that magically, all of a sudden he's able to do all these cool things that the right. Batman can. So I, I want to see some of this training and I want them to mention when they can't show us the training I want them to mention that he is in training with both Lucius and with Alfred. Do you think we're going to see him start looking for ways to learn how to be MacGyver? Like maybe Big and Zataro could do a play with him. That's the, you know, the magician that thought Batman how to escape death traps. Can play with the mentor thing you thought about? Yes, I would like to see him seeking out new mentors and, but to get to new mentors, he needs to first have Lucius and Alfred exhaust their training capabilities. Okay. So I think we're we're looking at season four before we're we're talking about Bruce bringing in extra and outside trainers because at this point Alfred and Lucius have a ton of stuff that they can teach him. Basically everything with building the bat computer and being a tech wizard himself and then using Lucius as well to help him with that is stuff that he'll learn from I think Lucius's tutelage. So I want to see this version of Lucius Fox teaching young Bruce how to do a lot of cool things with computers and with building tech and things like that. And then Alfred also learning along with Bruce, but then Bruce also training under Alfred's tutelage in, in hand-to-hand combat and a lot of things that he picked up as an SAS member. Okay, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I was just kind of think it'd be fun to have Zatanna show up, you know, as Zatanna's daughter, could then have kind of a thing with her and Bruce. I think that, that would be kind of a fun storyline that I'm hoping for. But again, with that being said, I just want Zatanna just to be a play magician, like an illusionist, like, like a David Copperfield kind of thing. I don't want full-blown magic on this show. Okay. I just think that, don't you think it would fit, fit the tone a little better? Yes. Okay. Cause you don't feel like this can, this is gonna go full out, you know, explain that there's Kryptonians and, you know, magic and things like that going on in this world. I just think it's easier for this show to stay separate from all that and just, just be what's in the construct of Batman. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Now, for such a confidence villain, this will happen this season. Since he's been on the show, Hugo Strange can sure tell tale get a hurry when his experiments get out of control. Got a nuclear bomb is a pretty excessive way of dealing with the situation. Got I've got to say the writers scared me. They were going to mess up the timeline 
Firefly, they had the Hugo Strange get killed by Mr. Freeze and Firefly when they had their fight, which I thought was pretty cool. But thankfully, that was not the case. Vico, since Hugo survived, what do you think's next for the character? Are we going to see him next year? Or is he going to stay away from Bob City, terrified of his experiments, until he becomes fascinated with the man who we know is able to wrangle his experiments, otherwise know what he's Batman? Dan, my guess is that Hugo Strange is going to be on the run from the Court of Owl for allowing his creations to escape and not blowing up Indian Hills. He failed miserably at the end of the episode, and thus the Court of Owls will want to silence him and keep him from being a threat to them. They may still need him for the rest of their program and to complete his work with resurrecting the dead with their memories, but the heat and attention he brought on the project will probably outweigh his usefulness, especially when we think that probably Victor Freeze is going to be involved in the continuation of his experiments. So I, I think that he's going to be on the run and know that the Court of Owls is out to get him. I think with the Court of Owls, they either have the information now because he figured out how to do it with fish, or they're going to capture fish because they'll figure it out that way. Yeah. That's where I think it's going to go. Good. With that, I think my guess is that the Court of Owls just wanted talents to be created with Hugo Strange's experiments, catches a bunch of supervillains who can plague the city of the chaos. Because do you think this means that the talents that will appear next season will be created to clean up Hugo Strange's mess? And do you think they will enlist Mr. Freeze to finish Strange's work? Because I assumed Freeze escaped back into the city. Yeah, exactly, Dan. I think the Court of Owls will seduce Victor Freeze with the idea that he could potentially resurrect Nora with their technology if he could perfect the process and put her body back together. And thus Mr. Freeze will take over where Hugo Strange started and create the talents. We heard in the News with Nico DC headlines section that many new villains are coming in Season 3, and Talon was one of the ones mentioned by name. So at least one Talon will be introduced in Gotham's story next season, and possibly more, and I think the Court of Owls may use them to clean up Hugo Strange's mess and eliminate any connection to of these monsters created to them or to Indian Hills or the new program as well upstate. So I think that, that it's probably going to be a head-to-head battle between Hugo Strange's experiments versus the next-generation Court of Owls talent. But is that Talon character descendant? Or is he like Dick Grayson's grandfather? Uh, is... so, so the way that it worked was that they selected people to be trained that. as talents, and Dick Grayson was supposed to be selected. And there was a storyline that former Graysons and families from the same circus yes. ha- had been selected before and taken from their families and 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 put into the Talon program. Dick Grayson was supposed to be it, and Batman essentially screwed up and entire generation's talent because they took the person who had been selected for that generation to be the, the next talent. Right. In that way, I'm not sure how the previous talents related exactly to Dick, but there there was a familial and a circus family right. relationship at least. Well, there was a story in the Nightwing comic where he faced someone that, that they took instead of him. Yep. And he escaped and he tried to take revenge on Dick because that was a good story. But, but there's a talent comic and I think that character is different than the one I'm thinking of. I think the Talon comic is almost like one of the Talons has broken free of the right. control and almost becomes a hero. It's a more of an anti-hero, but a hero. I'm just curious if we're going to see that character. Because that's who they're bringing to God. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know. He's, he's very popular, but I did check out that comic. Yeah, I just didn't have time to read the Talon standalone book. No. I read the Talon story arc in the Batman series, but right. or the Court of Owls story in the Batman series that included the Talons. And yeah. I tried to read a little bit 
bit of every book that had that story weaving through it, but I might have missed a few. I don't think that comic exists anymore either. I think they got rid of it when they did uh, the retcon convergence or if that's getting eliminated in rebirth to do DC uh, reboot that's happening. Yeah, I would be surprised if they got rid of the Talon character completely in the rebirth because it has... I think he lost his title. Okay. Yeah. Because it is such a, a popular character and a popular idea that right. people would be really upset if they just threw it all out. So yeah, that's... I think it's going to be some sort of a, a an amalgam of characters. Okay, he's like a... Uh, Talon is like a reoccurring Batman character now. Because I think he might be in like a book, but it's not, it's not just focused on Talon. It's like Talon and a couple characters. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Scott Snyder was writing that book, but I don't think he is anymore. I don't know if they're going to do much more with Cardinal Cornwallis now that he's left the series. Right. But they're all the show. Now, guys for the villain, Fighting Freeze, Firefly. I'm glad that Selena, Peter Hutchman was just a kind of one-episode deal. And I think what we're going to see from her next season is more of a cannabis relationship with Bruce. Much like the conversation they had in this episode, where they acted like they didn't care what happened to each other, but we could still read through pretty much all the subtext. We could see more of a Cavill and Batman like relationship for between Bruce and Selena next season. Yes, especially since Bruce sort of realized that Selena doesn't do anything he wants her to do, only yes. what she wants to and agrees with him on. So he won't think he manipulated her so much or be worried that what his decisions have done got her hurt or captured anymore. I think they will have a lot of fun with the relationship and maybe even have a lot more flirting going on next season. More from Selena, as she is probably more likely to be open to that sort of thing. Or rather, I think Bruce will just be lost when it comes to women at this point in his life anyway. So I think it'll be fun to see Selena teasing him and flirting with him, even though Bruce has no idea how to handle it. Well, Gates Summer was pretty funny in this episode. Oh, yeah. Because I love the end of the episode. Where he's like, okay, then we got to look into the next conspiracy. Because she just rolls her eyes and all things. Like, seriously? More of this? Right. Get, get Catwoman. Get the comic books. That's going to really annoy. Like, she's like, you know all these people. Get anything. The quote, Dark Knight Rises. There with her. Where she's just kind of like, come with me. Let's have fun. Stop worrying about your crusade. Right. Get it. Alfred kind of agrees with her on that, which is why I think he kind of give Selena a break, get the future, get that to try to punch her in the face anymore. Right. Which is a weird scene, but I think we're past that. And yeah, the actors are really going into the roles well. Yeah, they're really playing the kind of mouse routine. I think very, very beautifully. Yeah, I think it's going to get better as we go. So that that was very satisfying with them. I like where it ended. And yeah, we're going to see more of Selena doing what she wants instead of what Bruce tells her to do. And that's kind of always been the thing. There was an episode where Cameron got this cult chasing after her. It was in uh, season four of that animated series. Yeah, the whole time She's like, you know, Batman, I need your help. Call me get out of this mess. But she still did what she wanted. Anyway, cut down of it. You know, she was kind of kept trying to run the show because she would do something different. Yeah. So this is setting that up. Now for saving Gotham City, Lucius and Gordon diffusing the bomb with one second despair was classic comic book for me. It really captured how good this show has gotten throughout this season of making the campy nature of the 60-pound TV series work on modern-day television in a way that really makes me laugh and have a good time watching this show. Can I want more interaction between Lucius and Gordon next season because it was great stuff? Can I'm going to chuckle from here on out when I hear someone ask for a glass of water? Could the Mrs. Peabody thing? Because she's, she's like, water? Because you hold her hand up? Because the Glass and then they take the glass and use it on the bomb. That was some pretty good stuff. Sadika, were you abused with the dark humor that went into saving the city? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Recently, I think from watching Blindspot and Scorpion, I was complaining about the action show trope of stopping a bomb with a second left and how ridiculous that is. This is a concept invented for the movies and television that persists because nobody has told the writers how stupid that is and how it does not increase the suspense. Rather, it takes most audience members out of the episode, out of the moment, and just shows each director or writer is trying to be the 
new Hitchcock and ramp up the suspense, but proving they are not by using hackneyed techniques that are outdated and never really worked anyway. That being said, because of the humor involved in this week's episode and this being a comic book show, I was much more receptive to the use of the one second remaining trope in this episode. The fact that they shorted out the bomb with water when Mrs. Peabody was merely asking for water for herself was humorous, and the interaction between Lucius and Gordon when asking each other about their bomb defusing skills was brilliant. All in all, I enjoyed the humor in this and agree we need more of these two working together next season. Any other show, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed this scene, but because they did it just right, I was okay with it. Well, it's kind of a Batman thing. You know, it felt Batman-like to me. Yeah. Can I enjoy that? I mean, it, for me, my first exposure to Batman was a 60s show, so whenever they make little nods to it, which I think are very well done on the show, can I kind of enjoy it, though? Can I have a trust in them? When they do it, then it's going to pay off and be fun. Okay. Like, are you getting to that part, too? Did you really trust them with the humor that they have on the show? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely trust this series more than I, I probably did at the beginning with trying to do the humor and, and, and doing and doing it successfully whereas I, I don't know if they did it if it was my own issues with the first couple episodes or or what i've always thought bullock was the funniest guy on the on the series so oh, yeah he still is yeah so i was okay with that from the very beginning but i think they've they've ramped up the humor with the gordon character which i like and the interactions with him and lucius and him and alfred in this episode even though it wasn't the real gordon this time that right. was that was pretty successful well, i think they were just trying to figure out what works and what sticks because i think they fit their stride with it mm-hmm. you know they there was a big tone change, I thought, from season one to two. And it just kind of got better as the season went along, I think. So I, I just feel, my point is, I guess I feel the shows are in really good shape. I mean, there's been things kind of up and down, but nothing like, we're so angry we're so much of the show. Right. We're, we're getting angry like we do with Arrow. We're like, they really need to fix things. Kind of feel that right here. Right. But, but one thing that was kind of questionable, because my brother was watching the episode with me, thought it was kind of strange how Gordon just all of a sudden decided to leave. But I think he was still being affected by Strange's serum and hypnosis. So I think when he finds Dr. Dropkins, he's maybe going to have second thoughts, because then she's going to chase him back to Gotham City. Because this is how you see things happening. Do you think Kim just stopped and leaving was part of Hugo? Strange doing some stuff to him? Yeah, so I think that his decision to go after Lee was probably a result of the drugs he was given, but I disagree that he is going to, when he finds her, that he's, it's not going to be genuine. I think that he's, the drugs opened him up and made him tell the truth, not only to Strange, but to himself, and he he knew that going after Lee was the right move back when she left, but his guilt, loyalty, and sense of duty all got in the way of him going after her and, and saving their relationship. But now, he's seen what he really wants in life, and that's Lee. I, I see him going to find her and tell her these things and see if she'll come back to him and back with him to Gotham. I, I don't, I think he's going to go and he's going to bear himself to her and tell her the truth and see if it's enough for her. So I think that's a genuine desire he has now. I, I don't think it was just the drugs. I think the drugs opened him up to it, but he came to a realization through those drugs that he is in love with Lee and she is one of the most important things in his life. And again, if it wasn't for of a Karen that we, we did not know she was going to be back next season, I would have said it wasn't going to work out for him. Could he come back with his talent and his things? But I think she's going to come back to Gotham. But I still see it because they failed relationship. It's going to fail at some point. And that's me going with Batman continuity. Right. But does it have to? My, my Batgirl fan brain is conflicted with my enjoyment of Marina McCarran. <laughs> so I'm not sure what to do here. Understandable. So that's going to be tricky because, again, I think everyone wants to know, well, you know, it's a Barbara Gordon going to be bored, you know? Because then how does that work? So we'll see. But again, that Barbara Gordon being bored would probably take place like years after the show's over. Wouldn't it? No, it probably needs to be coming up soon yeah. because she's not that much younger than Bruce. Like, she's not 20 years younger than Bruce. She's 10 years younger. 
younger than Bruce, or twelve years younger than Bruce. So, okay, okay, because that the age difference with with Dick Grayson? Do you yeah, because we figure Bruce was mid to late twenties when right. he adopted Dick Grayson, and Dick Grayson was somewhere in the age of twelve to fifteen, maybe even sixteen, okay. depending on which continuity, because he was able to drive himself at that point. So, if he's sixteen and Bruce is thirty, that's a difference of fourteen years. That's two years from what Bruce was when we started this series. So we should be looking at potentially a Barbara Gordon next season if we're going to make her the exact same age as Dick, which is usually what they try to do. Yeah. Well, the other thing is there is, if you go by the animated series continuity, Bruce and Barbara and I have a relationship to get together. So it can't be too much of an age difference from that perspective as well. Right. Now, yeah, moving on to other Gotham villains. Guy thought the Penguin was going to get a bigger setup to gain power in Gotham City. At the end of you know this episode for next year. Okay, don't get me wrong. See Butch using heavy artillery again. God, the bus that Fish was driving was an awesome visual. But I hated the fact Fish put the whammy got the penguin with her powers because we've already saw Hugo Strange do the same thing. And it's just frustrating to see the best character got this show be headed back to where he started. And I was hoping for maybe a gang war between Fish and the Penguin. But I guess the war is going to take place between probably the freaks like her and the quarter balls trying to contain it. Because this is where you see the story like. Could you think it's going to be like every freak for itself? Also, did it frustrate you? Does the penguin got the whammy placed on him again? Can, are you thinking it's not going to last very long? Dan, I've decided I don't like the fish character. I'm not okay. sure whether it was a contact high from the drugs they gave Gordon, giving me a moment of clarity, or just the whole episode. And when you look back at the entirety of her story, it just isn't as good as the penguin, Butch, Mr. Freeze, Hugo Strange, or even some of the villains of the week. So setting her up as a potential big bad for next season is a huge disappointment for me. I hope they don't go that way. Luckily, with Penguin passing out from the shock of seeing Fish, or maybe her touching him, that probably means that she did not have time to suggest anything to him. Besides, okay. her control and effect is proximity and time-based, so she would need to continually re-exert her control over Penguin next season if she did try to control him. As for where I think things are going to go, I think Fish is going to try to unite the Hugo Strange-induced monsters into a gang of their own, with her at the head, of course, and will attempt to control Gotham and become the Queen of Gotham. I believe the Talons and the Court of Owls will attempt to exert their control on Gotham and will result in an all-out war between the two groups, with the GCPD caught in the middle, and Bruce, Alfred, Lucius, and possibly Gordon working to uncover the secret society behind the Talons and fighting the monsters. So I think it's going to be an all-out war between the two sides, the GCPD is going to be caught in the middle and Bruce and his team are going to be out on the outskirts not really getting involved other than Gordon if he goes back to the police which I do think is going to happen will be in the middle of it but they'll be trying to figure out who the Court of Owls are and how to bring about an end to this war because it's going to be horrible for Gotham I most definitely agree with that yeah it is going to be nasty for Gotham but I think the Court of Owls can't control the city because they just want to maintain it you know they're kind of like the equivalent to what Falcone tried to do in the first season right that's kind of where they are where they they want freaks in Gotham but they want it to be controlled because mm -hmm. it's not going to be because I think what's going to happen to Fish because I think the freaks are going to turn on her because you know there's a lot of bad villains that don't like being told what to do right because I think that's where she's going to run into trouble plus you know the Penguin isn't going to be happy yeah the Riddler if he gets out of jail is going to want to do something about this too so maybe we'll see a Penguin Riddler team up next season and I guess that's why the question is, with Fish, again, I think, Nico, we know you don't want her to be, but do you think she'll be one of the big bads next season? Girls, you just kind of open up the first couple episodes of the season. Sort of like they did with Jerome last year, until the Riddler breaks out of jail to maybe help out the Penguin. God, I think it's high time for the Riddler, I think, to become this big bad instead of Fish, because the actors earned it. But do we need another half season to get up to that point? 
Unfortunately, I think Fish is going to probably be the big bad, but I don't think the Riddler is going to be the big bad at all because I think he's going to work more behind the scenes, figuring out who the Court of Owls really are and where their power comes from. I think he'll work behind the scenes to gather the information he needs to know what is really going on in Gotham. Essentially, Hugo Strange not telling him who really ran Wayne Enterprises is a riddle he won't be able to just let go right. until he answers it. This is also going to open up... I think maybe the the arc where he changes his appearance and, and, and name and works for Wayne Enterprises for a time to attempt to figure that riddle out. So I think the Riddler and Nigma are going to go behind the scenes. And I think he's going to try and infiltrate Wayne Enterprises, figure out who the Court of Owls are, who really runs Wayne Enterprises and the rest of Gotham. And once he figures that out, maybe then he could make a move to try and try to be the, the next big bad, but ultimately get foiled. So ultimately he wants the Court of position. That's where he's going to want to be. Yeah, and he he may want to join or he may want to take over or he may okay. want to replace. Good, he just wants to be as far as Manny Golf. Yep. Could be praised for it. So that's where he eventually is going to go. But I don't think we're going to see anything as extreme as what we saw in Zero Year, where he takes over the city and all that stuff. No, because I think that's a Batman story. Yeah, it's exactly. Good, again, I thought it was a little much, but that's my opinion. Right. Now, finally, what's going to happen with the Court of Owls next season? Are they going to try and clean up their mess? Until Bruce gets on the verge of exposing them? Can they decide to back off? Until they realize that the emergence of Batman can clean up their problem for them? Or they they see the teenage Bruce's potential to solve their problems by almost defeating them? I think the war between the Court of Owls through their talons and the monsters that were created by Hugo Strange will be way too public for the likes of the Court of Owls, who usually like to work behind the scenes, in the shadows, right. be that invisible hand guiding Gotham. And this exposure will force them into hiding or to take steps back from the light so that they are not fully exposed. And that'll ultimately make them go dormant after either they win or they lose uh, against the monsters and the monsters take over Gotham or whatever the case may be. But this will be just as Bruce is closing in on the truth at the end of season three and they will essentially disappear from the scene overnight and this will lead to the long dormancy until the time where Batman emerges and the Court of All story arc from Snyder's run in the New 52 happens and they return to take down Batman. Probably not something we'll see here on Gotham. You know, Batman is who they believe has taken their power and influence away from them and he becomes the new silent hand behind Gotham them in their eyes and they can't stand that so they want to retaliate and go after him and try to eliminate him and become the rulers of Gotham once again. So that's all stuff that we probably won't see on this series but it'll right. all be set up by what we see when I think the Court of Owls will set Gotham on a path. They'll defeat the monsters or at least beat them back enough that the GCPD can take care of them yeah. and then they'll fade into the background and go back to leading you know, leading from the rear and, and, and that silent hand that nobody knows who's guiding right. the path. But I, I think that we're going to see them go dormant because that's what happens for so long in the Snyder story arc. Right. And well, what, I, what I loved about the part that takes place in Batman's childhood on that story because then he can never prove it real or not. Right. Like he thinks that they were just like his imagination and down the thing wraps up. So I kind of want it to be that way on the show where he can never confirm or deny that they really were out there. Yeah, I like that idea as well and I think that's why they're going to go dormant right as Bruce's closing in on or figuring out and 
then all of a sudden they're gone and he's like well was it real what was this something real or was this all just a figment of our imagination with somebody else pulling the strings god that fits this show perfectly i think they've set up the target with the, the gerald story where that works very well i agree yeah but again what kind of makes this theory complicated for me to make it kind of a thing that might have just been bruce's imagination because this emergence of a bruce wayne lookalike god the easy explanation could be that he's like a clone hugo strangers created to replace bruce but it going along with the carnival's story in the comics this very well could be thomas wayne jr who was institutionalized by his father for having homicidal tendencies which says thomas wayne probably asked hugo strange to treat a curious son by giving him the funds to create a dean hill which strange obviously abused however my question is with this theory is did the carnival's know the existence of thomas wayne jr or is hunting down hugo strange's experiments what makes them find bruce's lost brother can make him into their golden boy because we know they do in the comics because what's your response to this question if you would do indeed believe this bruce wade's doppelganger is thomas wade jr yeah my guess is that they could go either way with it being either a clone of bruce wayne who goes by the thomas wayne jr name or could be bruce's older brother who was put in arkham for his own and society's safety i'm going with twin because he looks just like right right i yeah i, I mean i guess we could say that but wouldn't bruce know him if because in the comics it goes that thomas jr suffered severe head injuries when right. he was struck by a car as a young child and that you would remember uh, having a brother if it was you know a twin and they were the same age but anyway could they have had hugo strange do something to bruce too great for not possibly possibly okay but anyway thomas wayne would always remain mentally unstable and a danger to himself in society his parents had no choice but to put him in a mental institution it was the willwood asylum in the comics and arkham asylum here for life thomas adopted the asylum's name willowwood as his surname in the comics and his family name was kept secret although thomas and martha had planned to eventually tell bruce about his long-lost brother when he was old enough they never got the chance because they were murdered it was also why they gave so much money to the asylum same as was mentioned in this episode i think either way they go either almost a superboy accelerated clone version of bruce or the thomas wayne jr i think he'll end up being raised by the court of owls to be a talent in in the future if right. if he is a clone he'll be convinced he's actually a twin of bruce and a member of the wayne family if he's actually thomas wayne then he'll be told the story that he was abandoned and bruce was made the heir because they didn't love him and they thought there was something wrong with him or something like that to manipulate him so it'll be somewhat similar to the snyder court of owls but its own version for here on well they Gotham. could never confirm or deny that he was in fact a wayne yeah his brother too yeah they could never confirm that so they may play that game again now i saw online a lot of people asking if this could be hush to those people saying oh. that this is Hush, that's Tommy Elliot, and he's already been in the show. He was the guy Bruce beat up, so it's unlikely that this is going to be Hush, but I saw all over the message boards that this was the Hush character. Do you know why they're saying that? Hmm. Because in the final Hush story, before the New 52 began, he made himself look like Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. To replace him. Okay, okay. That's so why I, say that. I can see that, but Tommy Elliot wasn't in Arkham and no. hadn't become Hush in any way. So. Until he became Batman. Right, right. Yeah. So my guess is, is the clone or thomas wayne jr older brother is most likely the way they're gonna go and i think they're gonna they're gonna try and make him an ally once bruce comes sniffing around so that they can keep bruce off the trail i just don't want to see them attempt to pretend to be bruce because right. again that goes in the same thing i was talking about last week with gordon i hate when they try to replace a character with another one or a lookalike and it's gonna be very interesting i think there's gonna be two bruce's running around and it's gonna be interesting if this thomas wayne jr has an attraction towards somebody like that. 
that could be interesting. Right. Because what they do with her, and it's like, good Bruce and evil Bruce. Which one is comparable, like? That could be kind of fun. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think we're going to see any replacement. At least that's what I hope they don't do. And I want her to know that they're different. They're not... Right. They, this isn't Bruce, emo Bruce. This is a different person. And I think she's going to figure that out, too. Yeah. But again, I think he might be able to confuse some people on the street, because they may think he went back out there. Okay. Like with Ivy... Remember how he Bruce ran into Ivy and she was like, "Oh, you're back on the street." Right. So they they could play with some of that stuff. Do you think it's a good move? Do you think it'd be interesting? I don't like that only because it, again, it's 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 almost like replacing him. But do you like the idea of them bringing in Thomas Wade Jr. in general? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think they could make some major mistakes, but yes, I think they also could do some really cool things. I was surprised to see it coming. Up. I just didn't think they would touch it because they did an animated movie on the Court of Owls, and they were afraid to touch that idea. Yeah. Okay. For that film. They basically kind of, they just make him get talent because they don't say that he's his brother. Okay. That's what they do. Get it work. Get it work. Then they just did that sort of confuse long time comic book readers. But I guess the show is not afraid to confront that. And you got to be careful with clones, too. They could get a little complicated comic books because that's Spider Man fans now. Yeah. Quite, quite fussy with comic books is don't send in the clones. But if these guys think they can do it, then I'm going to give them a shot because they really have done a good job for the most part. Right. And I think that wraps it up for Gotham this season. And so now that we've got all that excitement to look forward to Chris Gotham with more villains on the horizon for next season. We're going to dive right into an episode of The Flash that may have just turned this entire show upside down, and I think they did it to bring back some characters we really like. But the big question is, well, this is just the fact the Flash series or all of our CW shows. So with this big episode, we've brought in our expert, Michael J. Petty, to help us talk about this episode. So let's talk about the Flash episode that may change everything, the race of his life. My name is Barry Allen. I am the fastest man alive. Barry vows to stop Zoom when he learns what the latter's master plan is for Central City and Earth One. Yeah, we really talked last season about how the finale for The Flash so for season one was a very unique episode based on the fact that it was a character study episode. With the writers kind of decided to do the supervillain showdown to the penultimate episode as opposed to the finale. But the finale we got this season was kind of the complete opposite since it was filled with nonstop action got some incredible super speed visuals regarding both the fight between Zoom and Barry to the opening to this episode and the episode race to save the universe. Kaniko, do you think the action excitement we got in this episode was worthy of because season finale? The question goes to Michael as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't actually think the way they ended season one was any less impressive without a major villain showdown. I like that the series takes risks and does things differently than we've seen on virtually every other series. It's refreshing to see them try to do things differently, even when they are having a major villain showdown in the finale like they did this year. It was different than what we experienced or had seen before. So I kind of like that they changed it up last year and then they went back to a more traditional route but even being more traditional it still was something we hadn't seen before right it set up next season to be something we haven't seen before as well exactly yeah i'll just time up go that comment <laughs> yeah so michael come in you were pretty much all the way for the visuals and stuff too yeah absolutely i thought well i think this season the flash their visuals have definitely improved over last season which i thought last seasons were fantastic but yeah when you when you do a whole episode with king shark i mean your entire visual effects team has definitely improved and i think that this finale has been a huge Jump. How do I say? Uh, it's really showed that. I'll just put it that way. I think one of the things last season was is they really wanted to bring Firestorm and Arrow to help Flash take down the Reverse Flash, which is why they did what they did. But I agree with Nico. I think it didn't. I don't think it really hurt the finale. Whereas in this episode, I think the fighting actually helped the finale and helped make it even more personal, especially with Henry's death at the end of the last episode. Jumped right into that action. Right. It was very clever how they said there was a race for them to fight. Yeah. You know, they kind of ran in the circle and it was very different fighting than what you would see on Arrow, mm -hmm. which I think was cool. But again, there were some, some drama in this episode. I don't want to say that there 
as a conflict of character drama and a lot of that stuff. Because, you know, Barry has a lot of his father, which is very painful to handle. Because a bunch of it got to all of us. Because especially as fans of the old Flash TV series. Because it was John Wesley Ship that we lost, which is kind of sad. Got to top that off. Deep Flash decides, well, we're going to do the opposite of last season. We're not going to trust Barry this time. Because his head's not on straight. Okay, we're going to lock him up. Which guy was kind of saying, oops, maybe that's such a good idea. And again, Guy had personally thought that Barry might kill Zoom in this episode. Stopping it back like he does. Give a trial of the Flash story arc with the reverse Flash. Yeah. The next story. So I thought there was going to be kind of the darkness of season three. Because Nico and I have this theory that most of season three is like, a lot of shows is pretty dark. Because it's going to be Barry dealing with the consequences of those actions. Again, I think he's going to be dealing with much more bigger consequences than that. So I'm kind of glad I was wrong there. But do you guys think that the members of Team Flash were right to go after Zoom? Given that it resulted in the consequences of Joe being taken? I just, I don't think it was smart. I don't think they really thought it through because if you think about it, no, I mean, sure, Cisco has abilities, but no, none of that team had powers besides Barry. Not to mention, you're not going to catch him if he somehow zooms away. Yep. I mean, it just, tactically, it doesn't make any sense. I get what they yep. wanted to do and they wanted Barry to think about what he was going to do before he would phase zoom. I get, I get all that. They didn't want him losing himself to the fight. I get it. But tactically, it didn't make any sense, especially when two worlds were in the balance. Great. I think their intentions were pure. They knew that Barry was not in his right mind and was more a danger to himself than he was an asset to the team at that moment. But the decision to go up against Zoom, you're absolutely right. That that just was not smart. They should have tried to stall or calm Barry down in some way. It, it, you're exactly right. It was a tactical error. They, they didn't have the necessary firepower to go up against Zoom without any sort of powers. And Cisco doesn't have control of his more advanced powers yet. So yeah, this is exactly the wrong move. Off for Wells to go with it. Yeah, I think he was just trying to protect Barry from himself. In okay. in the state that he was in, he probably would have gotten himself killed rather than, or he or he would have killed Zoom and lost himself. You know, in the process, he would have forever damaged himself and damaged his ability to be a hero because he'll always carry that guilt of allowing his emotions to dictate his actions and and him turn him into a murderer. So that related right. to to Wells killing Turtle. Could have learned that lesson with Jesse getting away with it. Okay. Yes, he doesn't ever want Barry to be the man that he succumbed to becoming. Okay, that makes sense. But then again, we got a great character moment from Wally, being Wally, the character that I enjoyed, my Flash that I grew up with. Because, you know, he was, he used to come out the whole thing. He was kind of like us saying, yeah, it was a little dumb decision. Again, with the character that's kind of known for rushing into a fight, says that might have been a dumb decision. Well, then you think he did the listen. Again, again, I mean, he was right, because Dad sacrificed himself for the universe, and as a son, he should have been consulted or something. Could get why he was upset with that. Could it fit the character for him to free Barry? Because, again, Wally's mind, if Central City you better believe he's going to do anything he can to keep it safe. He's always been that way. So, of course, he would want to throw everything he could at Zoom. He has enough faith in the Flash's ability to handle Zoom. Right, exactly. He, he, he believes in the Flash probably more than anybody. Good central city. Could get Joe, could Iris believe in Barry quite a bit. But they sometimes get fake care about Barry too much to think about the greater good in the way, if that makes sense. They care about Barry too much to care about Flash. Exactly. Exactly. Where Wally's like, we need the Flash, the world needs the Flash, we've got to do this, and that's why, essentially, Wally took on the mantle, called the Flash when Barry disappeared in the comics because he knew the world needed a Flash. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what it was here. Again, I think it did a good job of making Barry, I mean, Wally worthy of fighting alongside Barry when he gets his speed powers. Because I think the episode did a good job of making these two guys brothers. We've kind of been waiting for it all season. Because I think this one's a little final. 
beautifully. Again, I'm hoping at least the show at least maintains this relationship between these two guys. Because I'm going to be disappointed. So do you guys think that regardless of the Flashpoint thing, these guys are still going to have this connection? Well, I think the Flashpoint thing will end up being reset anyway. So I think yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping so. I, I, I Like you, Dan, I'm hoping that Wally and Barry have some sort of relationship after all the changes and everything that went on in this season. But it won't be until Barry resets the Flashpoint once he goes and fixes what he what he ruined or 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 changed at the end of this season and that's going to be interesting to see how they get to that point and how Barry recreates the experiment or recreates everything to ultimately get him back to being the Flash which we'll get to in a moment when we talk about where we think the Flashpoint's going to go but yeah I hope that there is some sort of keeping up with this aspect of this story because I think having that brother relationship is going to be important for ultimately where they they end the show and that's you know needs to be set up for the future i also think you guys are right on point with wally being in the right on this decision he made in the, to, to free barry and and essentially let the flash do his job you know so i i'm right there with you guys thinking that that's totally within the character of wally he he sees something wrong he sees that the flash can fix it and he's like the flash has got to do this so yeah i'm with you on that all right go on with this next point i think we're gonna have nico take it away with this one because he does have a lot to say about it because they make all that gets confused with some gas. But a lot of people that I had at least talked about themselves were confused about the concept of a time remnant. Because I didn't think the writers explained it very well, in my opinion, because they kind of tried to make a joke out of Wally's confusion. So, Nico, do you think you could make it maybe a little bit clearer to our listeners? I don't know if I can make it any clearer, but I will try to explain what went okay. on. I didn't have a ready-made response. Like, my time traveler concept, I've had a lot of time to get through, and, and I can pretty much tell the three theories of time travel. But when it comes to time remnants, not so much. But here it goes. The writers first introduced this idea of a time remnant when Eobard Thawne returned earlier in season two. When Eobard Thawne arrived for the first time in his mind this season, after Eddie had killed himself last season, rendering his offspring non-existent and dissolved the Eobard Thawne in the present out of existence in that instant, Eddie killing himself should have erased every action Thawne ever took, right? Well, wrong. As Harrison Wells explained, the past wasn't changed by Eddie's actions since Eobard Thawne was presumably lost in the time stream to enough of a degree to go on existing. Although Thawne's past would never happen again, it already did for him, meaning his past actions, like arriving to discover Barry Allen's time period, would play out as it had. A man without past or future, he became, in the words of Wells, a time remnant. The same logic is at work in Hunter Solomon's plan all season, and especially earlier in the season when he seemingly killed Jay in front of everyone, presuming correctly that killing another version of himself wouldn't change his own existence. To put it simply, he didn't go back in time and kill himself, he killed another hunter in the present, in a sense. That's the way it works out. Now, how does Barry create a time remnant here? He goes back in time, only a few seconds, or a split second to be exact, while traveling in the Speed Force, and tells his previous self the plan. The previous version then does the dangerous activity, and ends up sacrificing himself, and then and the original or older, uh, or uh, newer version of Flash continues on. Also, since the time variation between the two is so minuscule, the difference in their timelines are so slight that they don't have catastrophic effects when one of them dies. Think of time as a piece of rope running from past through the present and into the future. When you create a time remnant, you sever the rope or start a fire at the exact moment on the, those timelines that starts burning each way. And, and now you have two potential futures and two pasts that are nearly identical except for the slight millisecond of a moment or moment difference. Once the time remnant is sacrificed, the fire is put out, barring a complete disaster, which I'll explain in a moment. And the previous flash 
past is connected to the new Flash's future, and the other two timelines essentially burn away. But since the pasts were almost identical, nothing's truly changed in the eyes of most of the people involved. Where Disaster Strikes is what happened with Eobard, where his ancestor killed himself to stop him essentially starting a huge fire that would have consumed both sides of his timeline, hence the singularity opening up. But with Barry stopping the singularity and Eobard from the past being protected in the Speed Force, the remnants of his timeline remained and the entirety of his timeline was not destroyed. So that's a little bit of an explanation on how they're using time remnants in this show. It's that idea of time being those strings and when you make a time remnant you, you slice your timeline and then they get annealed back together with the past of one of them going to the new future of the one that survives. So simple explanation is Gary could do this because he's protected by the speed force. That's part of it, yes. And because he only goes back so short of a time that their their pasts are identical. So if you go back too far, then you whether it's just great at all. Put a couple seconds in the matter. Yeah, if he were to try to make a time remnant with a guy from a year before, the difference in the the difference between his Right. past and the past of that one is a whole year and everything that happened in that year and so that's where you really make a, a big change in potentials and where okay. it goes and the difference because there's so many different options that could happen during that period of time that could change yeah i mean even in in the millisecond difference there's an infinite number of choices that could have been made but the likelihood that the two people would have made different choices with such a similar past is is almost infinitesimally right. small possibility so it it, it makes it a lot more it makes a lot more sense to have such a small one and that's why you see them running next to each other and they look at each other and they, they pretty much talk back and forth because they're only uh let's say a nanosecond out of phase you know or, okay. or, or back in time so yeah that's my understanding of how it all works do you follow that michael yeah actually pretty well <laughs> okay good good you were the, the goodie thing to see good people got the explanation but that works yeah. it sounds because... to me a lot kind of like how doc brown explains alternate 1985 and back to the future yes because if you go back to the 19 55, you have multiple versions of Marty, multiple versions of Biff, this and that, all interacting, but having different futures, but being in that present. So it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It's just the reverse of that, basically. Yeah. I'm envisioning Nico in a Hawaiian shirt standing in front of the chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe in about 20 years, I'll have the Doc Brown wispy gray hair and sure. talking to uh, students or something and trying to explain my three theories of time travel. <laughs> Using the flashes as an example. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, Speaking of timelines and time travel and universes and whatnot, I guess we call it that the man in the mask was Henry Allen's doppelganger, going by the name of Jay Garrick. Kind of extremely disappointed we didn't get to see the Flash from the past team up with the Flash from the future to defeat Zoom, going to fight, because John, John Wesley's ship combining Jay Garrick perfectly in his performance, and I hope next season features a trip to Earth 3 so we can see both versions of the Flash fight together. Nico, were you happy to see that our prediction came true? And that's for a question for both of you, that they easily explained car discrepancy God, that theory to explain that Jay Garrick was from Earth 3 instead of Earth 2 to explain why Barry Allen had both of his parents in Car Trip to Earth 2 episode? Yeah, it, it really worked. The way they explained it actually made a lot of sense. And making him the Earth 3 version where Jay Garrick took his mother's name and maybe his father wasn't in the picture or something else really made sense. And also, how great was it that we called this months ago and it actually turned out to be one of our crackpot theories that was dead on? I love when that happens because it makes me feel like, oh yeah, I, I know what's going on in this show. <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. It worked out very well. I was very happy to see that they kind of redeemed the whole Jay Garrick aspect of the show. That was one of the things I was worried about because I know that there are fans of that character oh, yeah. who were very disappointed to see that Zoom was masquerading as him the whole time. So, especially because Teddy Sears looks a lot like a younger Jay Garrick. But it was very cool to see how they actually used John Leshlip and paid all of that off and even paid off Henry's death in some weird sort of way as well. Yeah, well, I just see John Leshlip with the hat on, the way he did the hat on, the way he was acting. Go like that Jay Garrick. Well, I mean, even think about it when he was first when people first heard that he was gonna be on the show who did they all want him to play and now they finally get right. that we're way back to smallville remember right even back to smallville and absolute justice they wanted him to be jay garrett yeah so they listened yeah took them years but they listened <laughs> and i agree i think it's he's definitely someone that we could see again next season for sure. Espe- so. especially with a timeline difference and even when he does end up inevitably restoring the timeline or at least part of it i'm sure we will see jay garrett again if not here then at least in legends of tomorrow well they they, they allude to the justice society of legends tomorrow so that's what i hear so it's exciting okay so that, that's interesting I'm excited Michael did you have an idea about this theory too did you think it up yeah I thought it was either an alternate version of Eddie or the real Jay Garrick especially when he started tapping the name Jay I, I just I yeah, didn't exactly. believe that the writers were actually going to make Jay Garrick Zoom. Right. so I, I figured that they were going to redeem that somehow and it made a lot of sense to me at the time and that's kind of what I went with for the most part and then it, what sold me was when Henry actually mentioned that his mother's maiden name was Garrick and I knew that yeah. that was coming that's what, we, that's what sold us on it too yep. we had mentioned it like two weeks before but then when he said that right camera Good we were. So good job. Great job, team. Good. It's also good, Michael. You know the multiverse backwards and forwards. It's your guy. I continue as a DC historian. God, because the Batman historian, though he's the expert on that. Don't want to give him, not give him credit there on that one. But God, I think the TV universe basically kind of flipped the numbering converse because of the comics. Earth 2 was inhabited by older superheroes like Jay Garrick, the made up to Justice, the Justice Society. Good Earth 3 was where all the heroes basically on Earth got doppelgangers that were villains. So does this mean that the superhero we saw at the end of Legends of Tomorrow finale. This is me, Kaneko. Because from Earth 3, because he said he's a member of the Justice Society? I would say so, yeah. I think you're, and I mean, you're absolutely right. They definitely did flip Earth 2 and Earth 3, and I think a large part of that was because Zoom was masquerading to BJ Garrick, yeah. which is why they named his Earth Earth 2. Otherwise, I think the other would have been Earth 2 anyway. But yes, I would say that the hero that you see at the end of it, Legends of Tomorrow, and I don't know if we're allowed to say his name or not. I know who it is, but I definitely think that he is from Earth 3, and I definitely think that he is probably, he probably has some sort of connection with Jay Garrick, which is why I say we'll probably end up seeing him on Legends tomorrow, if not just the Flash as well. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I I think that there's still a possibility though that they could start the Justice Society in the 1940s on Earth One, and that could work in this world as well. It could be that since the Earths may merge or may come all together as a result of things we'll discuss next, maybe this Justice Society was the Earth Three version, Earth Two from the comics, as you mentioned, Michael, and becomes part of Earth One's history through that merger. I I just don't know. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Well, the comic books have done that for right. So we all know that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very likely possibility. So, finally, with this discussion, I know you got it a late, because season later, did you predict it, Nico? But the Flashpoint story arc is going to take place next season. My question is, will we see a story that takes place in a possible alternate future? Can the Flash reverting everything back to normal is going to merge the Supergirl universe? Can maybe Earth 3 quit the other CW shows? Or will Supergirl be merged with these shows because they enter into a new continuity? Could Barry change the future for everything? If they are smart, the producers of these shows could fix all their problems with Legends of Tomorrow, could Arrow, 
binaries change to the future or keep merging the earth, bringing black canary back to life, can making felicities, romance and Oliver could ever happen. Could you be very wishful thinking? But it's not going to go there. However, it's more likely the Flashpoint story arc could revive Flash characters who we thought were dead. Like Captain Cold, Getty, Zoom, and maybe give it Tom Cavanaugh, who is returning to the series next year, will reprise his role as the Harrison Wells reverse Flash. Michael and Nico, what impact do you think the Flashpoint story arc will have on all of CW's superhero shows? But I think the biggest thing that we're seeing with the whole Flashpoint arc is if you look at the comic books, what happens at the end of Flashpoint is Barry goes back in time and stops himself from saving his mom in the first place. So stopping the Flashpoint universe from coming into existence. What happens is, is because of that and because of outside interference as well, the whole DC universe is kind of rewritten and merged with other comic book universes like the Vertigo universe that creates something much larger than it was before and much different to a point. I don't think we're going to get necessarily something that's entirely different from what we've seen before just because I I don't think they want to ruin the continuity that we have had in Arrow. However, I think it'll be something kind of like you mentioned earlier, Dan, a kind of Crisis on Infinite Earth sort of deal where they merge everything into one Earth. And that could easily be where you have the Justice Society starting during World War II. And that could easily be how you bring in Supergirl and even bring Black Canary back. And like you said, bring people like Zoom, Captain Cold, and Harrison Wells reverse flashback to life, which I think are definitely possibilities, uh, especially characters like Zoom and reverse flash, though, because they're connected to the Speed Force. But I think we'll see Zoom again just as the Black Flash. Not a zoom. Okay. But yeah. he kind of looked like the Black Flash when he was taken out at the end of the comic. Well, I think Apparently that was the episode. thing. I think he'll be turned into one of those time wraiths in the form of the reverse flash, or not the reverse flash, sorry, the Black Flash. And I think that's who we'll see start chasing Barry every time he goes back to change time, which could easily be how he's brought in next season because he could go after Barry in the Flashpoint universe for changing time in the first place. Yep. Oh, there you go. So it's, a, it's an easy way to bring Teddy Sears back, who I think they want to bring back. But I also think that with a new version of Harrison Wells, you'll probably see him next season, at least in the Flashpoint universe, as the Reverse Flash again, as we know that Barry didn't kill the Reverse Flash right. after he saved his mom, he just defeated him. So, Eobar Thawne could easily do the exact same thing and pretend to be Harrison Wells under Barry's nose, and then when Barry goes back to the present of this alternate timeline, not realize that that Wells is also Eobar Thawne. Or he does realize it. I mean, I don't know, but I think that that's a safe population that that happened. Well, Wells would still have to, yeah, Reverse Flash would still have to do what he did to Wells, because right. it, because he's, he's trapped there. He's still exactly. ran out of energy, I would think. Yep. But he didn't get away. So right now, he's still in Barry's house because Barry knocked him out. True. So he hasn't gotten away yet, so we don't know how that's going to change things or if Barry's going to run right back to the, the his present and see that everything's different or if he's going to do something and lock up Reverse Flash before doing it. I mean, we just don't know. Right. But I, I think it is a safe bet to see that Supergirl could be merged with a lot of these shows, and I think that would be a great way to combine everything together and would also be an easy way to bring Martian Manhunter and Superman and all these other superheroes into the universe without having to explain why they weren't there before. Exactly. Right, I just think to make the crossover so much easier when well, they do that next year. And I pray to God that Superman will show up. I doubt it, but that's There's rumors. There are rumors. And you know, like, I was going to say, if Tom Welling appears as Superman, I would be extremely happy about that. It'd be huge for the network. Hey, with alternate Earths and Smallville being the biggest show, well, the most long-running DC show that the CW has had, I think it makes a lot of sense. But. Yeah. I think it's too much of a hope for the new timeline to erase the Felicity relationship and revive Laurel, but it would make me so happy. <laughs> I agree. So happy. I mean, even if it doesn't erase 
the Felicity Felicity relationship at least bring back the Black Canary. Come on. I mean, that was such yeah. a great character and Kitty Cassidy was such a better actress than anyone else on that series on the female side. Well, I mean, the, the woman who plays Lila is pretty great as well. But, you know, I, I just absolutely love the Laurel character and I think that that's where everyone intended when the series started to go. It's just this Felicity monster took over the series. What I do think this change will do is revive some characters like you said, Michael, and Dan, you suggested. Captain Cold, potentially Eddie, but I think that actor's actually moved on to other projects, so maybe not Eddie. I think they killed him off on Quantico. Oh, they did kill him off on Quantico, but I think he's he's moved on oh, to okay. another series as well, but I don't know. I don't know for certain. I think the timeline across all the shows is in for some major changes, obviously, but how will they handle that? How are we supposed to get all of these parallel universes into one plane? Oh yeah, what was that little timeline collapsing tool we talked about earlier? You know, the one that Zoom tried to destroy the multiverse with? Oh yeah, the Magnetar. I think the Magnetar is somehow going to be involved, of course, and we are going to get all of these timelines and all of the major shows in the same universe. But I don't think that means that we collapse all of the multiverse into a single universe. I think that very specific ones will collapse into the single series in the series, the single so that's Supergirl. timeline. That's Supergirl. That's maybe the idea of Earth 2 coming over. So a lot of those characters and a lot of that information. So we get that Harrison Wells to be a part of it. I, I just don't know for, for certain what all is going to be involved in that, that timeline collapsing together. How will Barry's timeline adjusting decision to save his mother in the past, how will that affect the future of all these other shows? I just don't know how much they want to mess with Arrow's continuity, how much they want to mess with what's happened right there. I think there will be some noticeable effects, but it won't have as drastic of an effect as we might have predicted or we have seen in the Flashpoint comic and uh, animated show. If Bo Also, if Barry's mom never died, that would most likely mean his father never went to prison. If that's true and his father never went to prison, Barry would never have been taken in by the West family, which led to him becoming a crime scene investigator to prove his father innocent and being in the right place at the right time to become the superhero we know as The Flash. So what's going to happen after this cliffhanger becomes the pre premiere next season? Will Barry still be The Flash? Probably not. Will anyone even know who he is? And who, given the second chance at life, will his mother become? And what does this mean for their relationship? We know for a fact that there will be major ramifications in the universe, possibly crossing shows to Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl, since they all exist, well, Arrow and Legends in the same timeline now and we're suggesting that we think Supergirl is going to be brought into that timeline as well. This might even be the impetus behind Barry deciding to use that Magnetar, like I, I said, to merge those timelines, just like in the Flashpoint comics and, and the, the animated series, although I don't remember exactly how that all worked. That was a little beyond my re recollection <laughs> this week. No, I totally think you're onto something, though, Nico. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it, again, I think you're right. I don't think they really are going to change a whole lot with Arrow because I think, first of all, the people who just watched that show would be completely confused. But I think it also, on some point, kind of hurts the integrity of that show. Right. If that makes any sense. But I think Legends of Tomorrow can easily be affected because the entire show is taking place in the time stream. Yep. So that that makes a lot of sense. And even Supergirl to a point as well. But do you think yeah. we're gonna do you think we're gonna get to see a Thomas Wayne Batman? No, but I think we'll see a Robert Queen Hood. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I, I think, think that's exactly where it will go. I don't think they're gonna do Batman because of Gotham. Right. Okay. Yeah, I just don't think they're gonna use Batman. But I mean who would who would Barry go to for help? The one who inspired him to be the hero in the first place, only to find out that Oliver is the one who died on the ship on the shipwreck, and Robert survived and became the hood. I mean, even Earth Two kind of talked about how that was the case on their Earth in a news report, uh, very briefly at the beginning of the season, but we never really got to see that. So I think Flashpoint could be a very easy way to do that, especially with Thomas Wayne being so involved in getting Barry's powers back. Exactly. I think that's exactly where Robert Queen's 
Marvel will come in. I think it'll be that exact same role. I, I couldn't agree with you more. That was uh, what was I was going to suggest if if you guys said no, you don't think they're going to go the Thomas Wayne and Batman. Right again, I think could be kind of cool on Arrow. Could Barry gives him a letter from his dad. I agree. From the alternate or characters. or something that could be even more exciting is it could be Tommy. Ooh. Because a letter from Tommy could do Oliver a lot of good too, because Oliver still believes that Tommy thought he was a murderer when Tommy died. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Can I just so, either or. Yep. Can I hope they use this opportunity to fix some of their messes on the other shows. Yeah. Because Legends of Tomorrow, we all know, needs some repair. Carol made a big mistake with her. If they could just fix those things, I think it would be okay. Because I think the audience, the audience would be fine if it was ridiculous in the brand of that. Could Laurel still stay dead on Arrow and the timeline change who Black Siren is a, as a person and bring her over to that universe or that show and make her the hero instead they can if they really don't want to mess with the felicity and oliver relationship and they want to maintain that because if they bring laurel back everybody's going to want them together or you know the rest of us who aren't obsessed with felicity and oliver are going to want them together the silent majority yes but again it seems like they don't for arrow next year they don't really want to go there right because if they were to put it back together i think they would have done it in the finale well right because they killed her but uh, but still laurel confessed her love to oliver before she died i meant felicity i think they would have hooked up to the finale oh. if they were ready to put it back together. Fair. I mean, I just feel like they, they gave the fans what they wanted. They got to see it. Let's move on now. But they did, and we'll talk about this in a moment when we get into the Arrow discussion, they did kind of put them back together because Team Arrow potentially could just be the two of them going forward, for a time anyway, until John gets his head on straight, and either uh, when Colton Hayes returns to the show and we get Arsenal back, I think that's going to be part of bringing the team back together. And, and like I said, we'll get into that more when we get into the Arrow discussion. Yeah, because I, I have kind of some thoughts on that at work and going, you know, I just don't if they're going to have time to have a relationship with everything that they're dedicating themselves to next season. So with that kind of set up, let's talk about the Arrow episode that finally got rid of magic from this show. Can I hope that's a bring it back again? Because it got a little tiresome. The Arrow episode, Schism. After the death of his wife, Damien prepares to destroy the world rather than bear the loss. Oliver turns to an unexpected ally to defeat the Black Magician. I'm so glad that Oliver showed up to save Felicity and Curtis from Damien, because I did not want this to be a safe Felicity finale, where she and Oliver get back together. Thankfully, that did not happen. Technically, at least in my hopeful mind, because I think things were set up as fair to go back to what made it a great show in those early seasons. Vigo, were you guys finale stayed away from relationship stuff between Oliver and Felicity? Glad to give you the sense that the show that we loved is going to come back next season? Yeah, as I was saying sort of during the Flash discussion, I think with the ending of this episode where a lot of people are going to try and go back and find themselves, find who they are, what their reason for being on the team is, and they're going to go off on their own. John's going back into the military. He's going to do a tour of service, it looks like, as a soldier. Thea's going to try and go and find out who Thea Queen is now that she's back from the Lazarus Pit, and she doesn't want the Red Arrow to be or a speedy character to be all that defines her. She needs to go and find who she is, especially after losing another love interest, uh, another person who was getting her sort of to feel normal again. I think that that's a good move. I, I just think everyone's got to figure out what's going on. Oliver's even got a new way to help the city in his life, taking on the temporary mayor role, which I do believe will become the permanent role. So I, I think the, there's been a major reset button on the show in it, in it by itself, even with Without having any effects of the Flashpoint story arc in, on the Flash side. So I think that we're going to see a lot of stuff get 
fix in the in the way of characters returning to themselves. And I think that's a good move for the show because we need to know that Oliver can be the hero on his own. We need to know that Diggle is going to be there right by his side. Even though Oliver doesn't need him, they want to be together. And then I'm hoping that Arsenal shows back up. And I'm just so happy that Colton Hayes, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that he's in a place in his life as a person that has come out, has no longer has that secret hanging over his head and giving him massive panic attacks and anxiety that he was going to be found out or someone was going to leak that information. He's gotten to a place in his life where he is was comfortable enough with himself to let the world know who he is and he doesn't have to hide anymore. And I think that's going to make him a, a much happier person and I think it's going to allow him to come back to the series as a regular or at least a recurring character. And I mean, even if it's it's just a, a single appearance again by Arsenal or Roy Harper, I'm, I'm going to be so happy to see him back. And I, I hope that you know, Colton has all the all the success in the world because I think he's he was so great on this series and that I was so disappointed that it was you know essentially anxiety attacks that essentially made him feel like he could no longer be on this series or couldn't give it his all. And I mean, what kind of what kind of great person goes to the producers and says, "Look, I, I I'm not sure I can give it my all. I'm not sure I can give this show what it deserves. You should probably write me out. I would love to come back once I get my act together, once I figure out what's going on with my health." just I don't want to ruin the show so can you do something I mean that's so selfless to do that and that's why I have all the respect in the world for that actor and I love that they're bringing him back now that he's in a place where it's going to work and I think that's going to help the story get back to feeling like it did in those first two seasons is he actually confirmed to come back Nico? I, I, I saw a report that he's coming back not as a regular or anything like that but he's definitely coming back for an episode okay yeah. good I'm glad if you can believe Entertainment Weekly and, and those kinds of sites they're definitely coming back for a single episode cool yeah i'm glad about that we hope that's more oh i'm hoping he's a a recurring for this season me too but again you're like a new character that i think will be great next season because curtis guy i really enjoyed his character this episode with that speech he gave oliver about his family deciding to stay in star city because they believe in the green arrow it makes me very excited to see where things go when he becomes a series regular next season do you guys have similar feelings about curtis I like Curtis. I think he's definitely a way out to get Felicity out if they need to. <laughs> and I think that's a good option to certainly have. I have enjoyed his character this season. I think it's pretty funny. But yeah, I, I guess it'll just really, we'll just really see how big he is next season. I mean, he could easily be their connection to Balmer Tech as well. So he he could really wear a bunch of different hats. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I like the Curtis character as well. The biggest selling point for me is that he could replace Felicity on the team. Yes. And that is a huge thing because that gets Oliver and Felicity away from each other every single day. I thought when she first left the team and, and and or said she was leaving the team and never really did, I thought, you know, okay, they need to bring Curtis in. They need he needs to be the new tech guy and let Felicity go do her thing and let her not ruin the Oliver character anymore or you know, her relationship issues bring strife to the team. I thought that was a great way to do it. They didn't exactly go that route, but then they announced that Echo Kellum would be a series regular for season five and I was like, oh maybe they are going that route, <laughs> you know? So I, I was really happy when they made that announcement. I just I hope they do what I'm I'm hoping for with the Curtis character. Yeah. Yeah, we're going into the depths a little bit more. You know, like when that nuclear missile goes flying towards the city, guy was really scared. We we're gonna see like Felicity Oliver stop it with some magical power. But thank God that did happen. Can Arrow just stuck to reality? Good technology, which is what the show should do. Can they should do that from now on? Call it dark side of the way. No more magic leads. Nico Michael, did you get nervous that stopping the missile was gonna be really hokey? Can were you glad that Felicity 
just to have to run this all to get the card they needed, instead of stopping all of them. I mean, it made sense to me. Yeah, exactly. I was happy with the way they, they actually handled it. I thought it was the most realistic way to handle it in this episode. They, they figure out how to fix one, one that's going to come and destroy Star City before everyone else. They figure that out, and then they're able to distribute it to all the Argus agents around the world, who then can actually take down all the other nukes. And I'm glad they didn't resort to... The effect of, like, where they blew up another city, you know, save Star City again by blowing up another one. No, that doesn't work. They had to actually send them into the Pacific and let them sink to the bottom of the ocean. Did it seem to anyone else that it took way too long for those missiles to get near their targets, though? Was that, because what did they say? That it was, like, two hours until after they were launched? Yeah. I would actually hit, like, does that make any logical sense to anybody else? I was very, I don't know, it, it irritated me, because I'm like, I don't think that's how that works. I think you're just giving your characters too much time because you don't know what else to do. I don't know what an intercontinental ballistic missile's time range is. I know that basically we could launch something from South Dakota and it can blow up Beijing or we could send it to Moscow because that was the original targets, but or uh, Moscow was the original target during the Cold War. So I know that they can hit anywhere in the world, but I just don't know how long it takes from the time it fires until, you know, World War 3 starts. Yeah, true. No, I I guess I don't really either. I just, you know, you see so many movies that make it look like it happens so quickly and then they tell you on air oh it's gonna be two more hours yeah so i don't know well god good thought oliver's speech built up in a taxi cab was all well executed and i think it might have felt if oliver had like addressed the today's green arrow and put back his good to reveal he was oliver queen god i don't know if that would have been more interesting or if that was the next right logical step for the series because i just thought he was eventually going to come to the point that maybe he just needed to merge both worlds together kind of like the oliver had small did so michael and nico do you think the writer should have gone this far since it is the next logical step of his evolution as a hero at least in my opinion i'm glad they didn't but i expected them to yeah me too yeah i really liked that that speech as well i thought it was i thought it was a little hokey that it 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 ultimately allowed the rest of the the city to defeat damien dark but at the same time i really liked that you know yeah it it felt comic booky to me and Mm -hmm. in the in the best sense of the word it it really felt like something we would see in the classic pages of a green arrow comic and in that sense i'm 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 more than happy to let them go a little hokey if it ends up working like that so i i was kind of torn a little bit i was like oh that's hokey and then i was like you know what i I don't care i like it civilians fighting ghosts was pushing it a little much well i think it was the overwhelming hope that oliver had inspired causing everyone to fight for their city and yeah i mean there probably should have been more casualties but i think the overwhelming numbers that they were trying to show it's tough to find that many extras that are capable of doing stunts so it makes it very difficult and when you get in close you have to show stuntman on stuntman so it makes for a difficult way, but they were able to show enough extras to give the sense that it was overwhelming numbers of, mm-hmm. of right. civilians that were, that was the reason they were able to defeat the ghosts was not because they had any skills or anything like that, but they, they were just driven by that hope to, and that desire to save their city. They didn't want these ghosts and Damien Dark to continue to destroy their city, to destroy their world. And I like that idea because yes, they don't have any hand to hand skills or they don't have any tactics skills. Well, maybe some of them do. Some of them are probably veterans. Some of them probably are former cops or are cops. And who knows, you know, what, what it was. But I'm okay with that, you know? I was okay with the way it worked. I, I, I think if it was one-on-one with Ghost, no way. But the overwhelming numbers were enough to, to turn the tide. I, I agree with you, Nico. But I think the thing that, not irritated because that's not the right word, but the thing that made me question the fight more than anything else wasn't necessarily the people.
people involved, but Dark's sudden loss of power, because that just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I understand that Oliver's hope uh, and the hope that he inspired in the city was overwhelming to Dark, and, and I get the explained reasoning behind it, but Dark kept mentioning throughout this episode and even last episode that the deaths of all those people it, because of the other bomb that went off have been powering him this whole time, and that was all he needed to basically bring the world to his knees, yet he was defeated by all of these people and just starts sitting. So I, I, it made a lot of sense story-wise, but I, that was the only thing that I thought was a little pushing it a little bit. Okay, yeah, for sure. And it did seem a little ex machina, you know, to yes. all of a sudden have this, uh, his power dampened by the hope of the people. It seems like an added feature to just for storytelling purposes, and I can't argue with that. But it's kind of like, like good enough of Damien already. Like, I mean, Neil McDonough was, was great in the role, and it seemed he could enjoy doing it. But it was to the point where it's just like, I'm kind of done with this. Let's move on to something else. Well, you can only go so far with him because as a character, he just doesn't change. Exactly. Exactly. And I quit the magic thing, yeah, maybe it was a stretch, but I'm glad that the only magic they had in Fuse was just something that allowed him to physically fight Damien mm-hmm. instead of him having the same powers, getting them having like a magic fight. Yeah. Like, that would have been goofy. Yeah. And I was just happy that the magic was fueled by the people in Star City believing and Oliver, as opposed to Felicity inspiring that can Oliver, because yes. I think this allowed the writers to succeed in giving us what we wanted, because Oliver realizing the hope he could inspire comes from himself instead of Felicity. So, do you guys think that this episode succeeded to bring Oliver to that conclusion? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I think we'll see more of it next season. It, I, it just depends on if it sticks or not, depending on whether they bring them back together or keep them separated. So I guess okay. time will tell to a point. But yes, I think this season succeeded in that in and of itself. Okay. Yeah, agreed. Now, as for Oliver in the past, I was so glad that this season flashback story, which really didn't go anywhere for me, was over. Okay, were the writers indicating that the flashbacks have caught up with the first season of the show by Amanda Rather giving Oliver his father's list in superhero costume? Does this confirm that next year's flashbacks could take place could be between past seasons? No, I don't think so. Because he still has one more year. Because earlier in the season when he talked about Constantine, he mentions that he met him five years ago. Oh, okay. And that means we still have one more year. Not to mention, Oliver still hasn't gone to Russia yet. And that's where the writers have confirmed that's what the flashbacks are going to do next season. That's why he closes the, the box with his hood and bow and arrow in it and says, I have a promise to keep because he has to go to Russia. Okay. Because then ultimately, I think he ends up back on the island. Yes. At the end of that story, okay. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because they have to go get his stuff? Because the story bring him back to the island? I am assuming the story brings him back to the island, but I don't know. Because we could easily see the first half of next season take place with him in Russia and the second half have him go back to the island. I think it's a little kind of just possible to ask that. Depending on what you're going to do with it, yes. I okay. think the island is his his honing ground and his, at this point, it's no longer his prison. It's his reset button. And almost I want to see, I want to see Oliver in the present go back to the island one more time to find something or to, to re-inspire him to be back out as the Green Arrow. I, I don't know what it's going to be or how it's going to come about, but I think that's what the island does to him now. I think we saw that after defeating Deadshot, not Deadshot, um, Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Deathstroke, yes. Thank you. Deathstroke, after season one, he returned to the island with John and Felicity. I think at some point he may have to make another trip out there or take some of his new team members with him to essentially get centered again and, and refocus their, their mission and their goal. And plus there's an Argus outpost there as well. So it, it could make a lot of sense. I just don't know what the, the plan is going to be. I do like your idea, Michael, and I think it's the way that they are going to go is we're going to see him complete his mission to Russia, keep his promise, tell 
tell the parents what happened to their kids and explain what what became of them and also in the process join a russian gang <laughs> right well because his friend anatoly who is kgb's from the comics but we've seen him throughout the series who he saved from slade in season two in the flashbacks yep we still have to see that relationship develop more yep as well true you're right and he has to really get into the undertaking and find out what that's all about too because we have to line up the timeline with the flashbacks in next season lining right up to season one yep present. exactly right good it's possible the undertaking could come back to haunt him if uh welcomes the big bad next year right that's kind of my thought too guys for the future guys glad to see captain lance be inspired to come back good help oliver there was this paul blackthorne's class appearance on the show because i really don't think there's anything for the character to do now with Laurel, dad and sarah traveling through time so Negro michael do you think they're just gonna have quit the right off with those of in the sunset or will he have to come back and start city if the flash story taking place called the flash brings laurel back to life i think regardless of whether or not laurel's back on the show i don't think this is the end of paul blackthorne's run i don't think lance is going to leave the show i think he is going to be oliver's right hand man his man in the police department and he'll be able to work with him in the light now as the mayor he'll be able to help get the funds and get the the manpower that lance needs to run the the star city police he he's going to reinstate him and put him back in his captain's position and really work with him and be a force for good in the light with with the mayor i i don't see him leaving now there's no reason to get rid of one of your best actors on the show right okay that makes sense and I guess my next question is, do you think Speedy's going to leave the show because Waller become a sort of reoccurring character with Ray coming back and God, just, I guess, completely brought in from time to time to fill in parts of Malcolm's storyline? With Malcolm being potentially the big bad next season, which I definitely think he will be, I think you have to have Theo back. Yeah. Because it's okay. because the rivalry between Malcolm and Oliver is obviously huge, and it's it's obviously like Superman and Lex Luthor. It's, that's, that's your kind of rivalry. Or Reverse Flash and Flash, we're going to put it in CW terms. But it's as much Thea's story now as well. And everything that Oliver has to decide to do with Malcolm, Thea also has to either be on board with or not on board with or fit into some way or another because of the whole daughter thing. So, yes, I think she absolutely has to be back. Okay. Okay, that kind of makes sense. With, with her having to come back, can fit the story. I just was a jerk. It's going to be every episode. Are you going to make it more reoccurring with my thought on that? Well, that depends on, I think, Roy's role or if they want to make Oliver back, put him back to his season one and even season two roots of him being the lone vigilante out there. Yep. So, it, it just go, it goes back to what the writers were just want to do at the end of the day with right. Oliver is what will determine what happens to you. Right, you can also have Thea work at his office or whatever it is, because there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So that works too. Because she could easily not want to be speedy for a good while. Yeah. And just right. say, I just want to do this because I can help the city and find out who I am until I'm ready to come back. And obviously at the end, you, you know, she'll probably return, but she doesn't really have to be there fighting every night with him. That makes sense. Yep. And do you think the finale should have goes to a hint or something? Come on, Malcolm be one of the big bads next season? It wouldn't have been bad. I, I think it would actually been probably the right move but I think they were just worried about wrapping up this story and, and giving us a hint of where Team Arrow was going next season and we know Malcolm's around so it's not going to be a huge su surprise when he starts trying to grab up some of the power in the vacuum left by Damian Dark at the end of the season and it might be a slow burn and a behind the scenes sort of thing where even Oliver doesn't realize that Malcolm is gathering forces and, and sort of filling some of that vacuum uh, and that power gap himself so I, I think it's a good move in a sense that they didn't go that route and that it's kind of in the shadows we all expect malcolm to be the big 
that next season. And, but maybe they're trying to keep it a little bit more under wraps for, for the characters, at least. Which would, again, go back to season one, yep. which would bring not only Malcolm kind of, well, full circle in the sense that he's back where he started, but also Oliver being in the dark to who Malcolm actually is again. Not to mention, I think, Dan, the biggest foreshadowing of Malcolm being the big bad this season was that fight he had with Oliver where Oliver cut off his hand. I think that I think yeah. that was what really changed it in Malcolm's mind, and I, I, I don't think he really wants anything to do with Oliver. Not that, you know, I would blame him necessarily, but right. But I think that's your biggest foreshadowing right there, and I think, like Nico said, they really just wanted to wrap up Damien Dark's storyline this season because they wanted to get him out of here, which Good. makes a lot of sense to me. Good reset the story, kind of. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if you think about between seasons one and two, Slade was never really foreshadowed to be the big bad outside of the flashbacks necessarily. And right. even even in season one and beginning of season two, Slade is still a good guy, so that's not really foreshadowed at all either. It's only season True. three's big bad with Rachel Gould that gets foreshadowed in season two and Damian Dark at the very end of season three who's foreshadowed for season four. I, right. So I guess we'll see. But I like I like your theory a lot, Nico, that he could be in the shadows and controlling everything from behind the scenes and kind of show up at the end. It's, ve- it's very, well, it's very Malcolm, but it's also kind of very Harrison Wells. Yes. And the Uber thought Harrison Wells is what I mean. But yeah, I like that. Regarding Diggle, I was really glad that Lila understood the truth behind Andy's death. Because I think it would just been kind of character for it not to buy into it. Good, good act all publicity about the whole thing. I just think, good, I do think he's going to be a character that's going to come back next season. Because I think he's talking the military. Could make John discover a threat or some kind of thing that's going to bring it back to Star City to war or tell all of her if I know the information. So what do you guys think of next for Diggle this season? Good, are you confident he'll be back? Without a doubt, he'll be back. Yeah, absolutely. Will he be there in the first episode as Diggle or as Spartan? Probably not. Will we see some sort of evolution from him as a soldier back into civilian life and working with Oliver as the mayor or working with Oliver with the team? I think there's going to be a lot of good story in the first couple episodes, seeing them get back to where they need to be for Diggle to become Spartan again. But I I, I think he's definitely going to be back for sure. Yeah, I agree. Great. So for all our next season, I think going on, I think going forward, with the story of him becoming mayor is going to be a great way to return the show back to its former glory. Could maybe make it better than ever because now they have everything they need to tell true Green Arrow stories. Since being in charge of Star City, could probably produce a lot of those ethical and political dilemmas for my favorite Green Arrow comic book stories. Could I hope at least one of them will include the Al Jordan Revantage? Yeah. At the same time, I hope Felicity just sticking around to help Oliver instead of getting back together with him because it's sad that the writers realized their romance was hurting the show. Could Felicity is a much better character because she's a member of the team. Could I think they've given them so much to do next season with Oliver being there, Kev Felicity running Palmertalk. There's not really a reason why the writers need to rely on their romance story anymore. Michael and Nico, do you think making Oliver become there is the best way they can make this show really good again? Do you think all these setups will stay in place regardless of Flashpoint? Think he plays on the Flash series? Yeah, I think enough of this stuff is going to stay in place to give us a cohesive story and a story that makes sense for people who don't watch all the shows. I think too much of a change outside of maybe the crossover episodes would... would anger a lot of arrow only fans so i th- i don't yeah. think we need to worry about flashpoint screwing up the story too much or or changing it too much i think we talked about quite a few possibilities for good things that it could involve or it could cause but ultimately i don't think there's going to be a lot of change i i think oliver becoming the mayor is the best story and and gives the best setup for a new story that feels very much like the beginning of something and that will make it feel a lot 
more like season one. And also, Felicity got ousted at Palmer Tech, so she's no longer yes. a member of the board at Palmer Tech. She's not the CEO. She doesn't even work there anymore. So I think part of this season is going to be her trying to get back and wrestle back control of Palmer Tech, and maybe Ray is involved in that somehow. I don't know. <laughs> Corey, Corey she makes her own company because we did see that building in the future. Right. Exactly. So there's that possibility too. I don't know. I'm anxious to see where it goes. I mean, they've got me wanting to come back next year to see if they fix the problem and solve them and it all works out. And again, this could be Arrow's final season, as we've discussed too. Right. Because, you know, it's a five year plan and they're going to run out of flashbacks. Right. So we'll see where that goes. So that could be another interesting reason to come back just to see how they wrap it all up. I mean, I personally hope that it's its last season. Yeah, me too. Right. Absolutely. It's not because I don't like Arrow. It's it's because I think I think they've told the story they need to tell. Yeah. Or they're, they're going to finish telling the story that they need to tell, especially with the flashbacks, because at this point i just want to see oliver become who he is in season one and i want to see how he's grown in 10 years because really we've gotten 10 years worth of story yeah it's not just five so i agree with that but yeah. i also agree with you nico i don't i don't think that flashpoint is really going to change a whole lot of what arrow is doing for the, for that exact same reason yeah and i it, it just it just wouldn't make sense now could you change little things absolutely could it be so that laurel actually died in this timeline but with the reversal it's just with the time change she just fakes her death and comes back next season right to totally could work and you could make that fit and you could not even have to explain the time change that because that could totally work but i don't think what we see set up at the end of the season will be changed when we come back next season and actually i don't think the effects of flashpoint will really be felt on arrow at all outside of maybe the crossover or whatever barry tells all right or yeah. again if, if black canary does end up coming back and they explain it as oh she actually faked her death as opposed to actually being dead like she was in the original timeline which again would make a lot of sense uh, i think so too i agree with that i'm hopeful okay, okay, i'm hopeful yeah. too and like you said dan i'm really hopeful for a hell during your lantern story because i've always said since flash became a show that the best possible crossover you could do between flash and arrow is a green lantern origin story because in the comic books hal jordan is not only oliver queen's best friend but also barry allen's and that would be a fantastic way to expand the universe more first of all but second of all bring our characters closer together i mean it, hal jordan has been alluded to every season of both arrow and flash yep. including at the beginning of this season where you see him ever so briefly in the flashbacks so I, i'm really hopeful we do i'm really hoping we, we go there we see that they kind of colluded that they might be able to do Green Lantern with one of the metahumans. Yeah. They showed very fine for that episode. Well, and they, have, and they have the budget. They can make it work. Yes, it they do. If that hard, we've seen, we've, we've seen things, like you said, that are extremely close. And if they can do super speed fights like what we got on the season flash finale, they can definitely do Green Lantern. Right. And with that, I think that wraps the season for the DC Nation podcast. We are going to be back. I think we're going to try out. We're going to take a break great, for a week or two. Can we try to come back to do Commandment v Superman episode? Yeah. Talking about that. Okay, we're going to do, of course, our Comic-Con episode in July. Come the summer. That'll be at the end of July. So that's what you have coming from DC Nation in the fall. Coming in the summer. And then in the fall, we'll be back in full swing. That Nico's going to tell you about what we'll be discussing in the fall. Get our closing. Yeah, this week's DC Nation wraps the 2015-2016 TV season for DC Nation, but make sure to rejoin us in the fall for Gotham, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and DC Legends of Tomorrow, and possibly newcomer Krypton on the Sci-Fi Channel. But for now, we're going to roll that pre-recorded closing. Get out of our Across the Airways podcast network website, acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows, available as their own individual programs, get the iTunes Store, get Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows, cut our network. We have the... 
DC Nation podcast. Located at dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com. Which reviews popular DC Comics related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse podcast. Located at marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairwaves.com. Which reviews Marvel Comics related TV shows and movies. And we also have Thronescast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's thronescast.acrosstheairwaves.com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airwaves podcast, which is accessible at acrosstheairwaves.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, and more, including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory and The Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airwaves, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, and the mixed radio station, Code by Jack Stifle, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the Podcast Box app. And if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace, and the Windows Marketplace, and a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Because for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback, got the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say, do you like what we're doing, email us at acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. Again, that's acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, got across their waves. There's no the in there. It's just across their waves. Join our circle, got Google Plus, or leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-3363. Again, that's 773-809-3363. Also, when sending us an email, please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Give the subject line. Give you our sending us listener feedback you want us to read. God, the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies and television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Con, and it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. Alright, so once again, for other KTA podcasts, Nikki Amy, Wu Kim, Joshua Mercury, Steve Nastro, and James Huffle, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Mika Reistek. And I'm Uncle J. Petty. And until our next episode, we'll catch you on the airways. Thanks, guys, for listening. Call season long, and we'll be back in a few weeks with a couple episodes, and then we'll be at the full start of the poll. So stick with us, and come back next year. See ya. Things are starting to accelerate into something never stopping. Always trouble falling now. I think I'm getting dizzy. Too much spinning pace. My pace is flat as thickening, quickening. It's getting too insane. I'm trying to maintain. Whoa. Ever spinning, twisting, turning, roller coaster inch Why is the gap is closing, pressure building, temperature rising Higher and higher, it's getting too crazy I wish I could maybe Now return to our regularly scheduled program.